What's going on, guys? It's Mike and Mark here from LRMOnline.com, giving you another great episode from LRM TV Podcast. Um, this week, we're covering the reviews on Gotham, season premiere of Flash, season premiere of Arrow, and also touching on some of the latest TV news that's been out there, and also some of the major news uh, regarding one of the controversial movies um, this summer, uh, Suicide Squad. So we're just going to dive right into it. Um, so we got episode three of Gotham, or episode three? Yep. Episode, yeah, episode three. Yeah, yep. I'm losing count with all these different <laughs> shows premiering on in all different times. And everything. Yep. So um, this one uh, had a little bit more um, going on with uh, Bruce Wayne's doppelganger character, um, kind of, what did you think? Take it took the focus of the story. To, um, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think it kind of um, between. I think the focus was really on Bruce's doppelganger and um, also uh, the Mad Hatter as well. Right. Yeah. Um, Jarvis Tech makes his uh, grand introduction to, uh, into Gotham. So you had Jarvis Tech. The, the doppelganger of Bruce Wayne, and then he had a little bit of Penguin in it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, he's making his play for mayor of Gotham mayor. Um, and confronts the the current mayor, which that was probably one of the better scenes. Uh, that was awesome. That was awesome uh, with uh, how Penguin played it out. So um, <clears throat> Jarvis Tech, the Mad Hatter, um, is I don't know. I don't know if he's one of the. I know he's in Batman's Rogue Gallery, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily put him in maybe like the top five or maybe I don't know. No, don't yeah, know, he's he's one of those. Man. It's it's weird. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those that's like known as a in Batman's Rogue Gallery, but really isn't utilized very much. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was I was glad that they brought him in because. Mad Hatter's never been, I guess, like my favorite, you know, character or anything. But um, I, I kind of saw some similarities between Mad Hatter and Scarecrow a little bit. Um, and I don't know. I just I'd never really. The only depiction I'd seen outside of the comics was he was in like the, you know, Batman in the '60s or whatever. But it was obviously really campy and goofy. Right. Um. So I wanted to see what they would do with him and i thought it was interesting the realistic kind of you know because i know like obviously in batman the animated series he would have like the you know the cards that would go in the hats and this and that but the the way that they did it more as like a hypnotist was i I thought a pretty interesting way to go with it right because like the uh, the animated series was took more of a play on um the alice in wonderland character in yes that, that style and you know what's funny is that like all the things that Batman the animated series taught me. One of the things I, I very like distinctly remember was on one of the episodes, uh, Jarvis Tech had um, hypnotized Batman into a dream sequence, and the entire episode was a dream sequence until the very end. You figure out that Batman's actually into a dream, and hmm. Jarvis Tech was like, "How did you know that you were dreaming?" He said. Oh, because when I opened up the book and all the letters were all jumbled up, I knew that I know you cannot read in your dreams and everything. And it's actually the truth. Every dream yeah. you have, you cannot read. So if you open up a, a magazine or a book, the words get all jumbled up and you can't do that. So it's funny that the how like the things you learn from Batman. <laughs> right? Um, Seriously. Yeah. So, But yeah, the animated series one was more the Alice in Wonderland take on it. He always had um, the... the 
characters from Alice in Wonderland with him at all times. Mm-hmm. This one, yeah, it was more hypnotist and um, messing with people's minds. Um, and they had a play with it that he was looking for his sister. So he, was he really a bad guy? Was he really a good guy? That was kind of the play on it, you know, because... When well, I... and it was interesting, too, because I... You know, the the way that it was worded and everything, too, he kept saying his sister, but she seemed so completely appalled by him. There, yeah. there just seems to be so much. And he said, like, you know, like, well, I love you. And it was just, the, there's so much more to that story that I want to know about. Yeah, it seemed like this episode was all about, like, leaving the story going on for more. Because couldn't, you couldn't figure out what the real relationship was between... Um, the, you know Jarvis and his and so-called sister I mean she had some sort of disease that if you know it seemed like if you injected her blood or you were like if bl- her blood got on you you went crazy um, right because uh, you had Bruce or uh, not Bruce but Gordon go and try looking for her and then goes in that guy's apartment and he's locked in the uh in the closet and then you just bust out freaking out and everything um, so here's my thing do you think that that is truly his sister or do you think it's like someone no. that he like loves and he was like saying it was his sister because the interaction was yeah i don't i don't know if that was if that's a brother sister relationship i think he he actually needs her or needs that blood for uh, uh for something like a, a bigger goal that he's trying to get across maybe that's his mm. um what's a what allows him to have, be a like a hypnotist and have mind control of people yeah that's true what do you think yeah, about maybe that? he uh, what do you think about that scene with Barbara Keene, how he tricks her into loving her and stuff and then says that he's not in love with her? Oh, my God, that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. And um, what, what did Tabitha? Tab- I forget exactly what yeah. Tabitha said, but it was hilarious and it was, like, spot on. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you. I feel like in every episode, even though she's declared legally sane, if you want to call it that, but um, <laughs> she just... It shows more of her psychotic nature, I feel like, in each separate episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, you had, like, Barbara and Tabitha's partnership, you know, grow stronger. And then another partnership that kind of grew stronger, too, was um, Cobblepot's and uh, Riddler's and Enigma. Oh, yeah, um, that was cool. You know, Cobblepot is able to to make a play uh, at Arkham Asylum to get uh, Enigma out of Arkham completely sane so that those it seems like for the, the remainder of this season those two are going to be working together um, yeah which i like because i think they're they're i feel like they're two of the stronger actors oh, yeah. on I mean, the they, show they definitely work well with each other and they work well like playing off of each other well and just the interaction even where you know nigma was questioning he <laughs> he's like so this paper tells me mm-hmm. i'm sane <laughs> and, and he's all the killings he did were you know while he was insane it was like insane, insane. And when I kill this person, and when I kill this person, and when I insane. yeah, okay. <laughs> and he's like, and now he's like sane. He's like, okay, <laughs> it was funny. Oh yeah, that was that was definitely a, a good scene. Um, so, what do you think about Penguin and running for mayor? Because I feel like I, I feel I mean I know why they're doing it, and I feel like you know Penguin could be mayor, but still running this like kind of underhanded schemes and whatnot. But do you feel like that's something with the Penguin character that's kind of been played over and over again? Because I feel like some things are good because they're a nod to the comics, but then I think sometimes things I don't know if they can get drawn out. Like I feel you know obviously from Batman Returns and. Right. 
you know, I think we've seen that other places as well. So I, you know, how did you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way as you right there is because the minute they said, you know, Cobblepot was running for mayor, I immediately thought Batman Returns. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that was the whole spin of the movie was trying to get the Penguin to take over Gotham and, you know, and well, um, he kidnaps all the little kids and everything. Like, I think if that's yeah. the next, if that's the next play on there, then, um, you know, it's it's definitely taking right from the script. But I don't know. I don't it, remember that. You know, you had Falcone um, make his comeback in this episode. Yeah, uh, that was really out, cool. Yeah, we found out that Lee's fiance is actually, you know, Mario. part of the, Mario from you know the Falcone family. And so, I think with Falcone coming back into the play, I don't think he's going to allow um, Cobblepot to to win in being mayor. Um, you know, this. Yeah, and. I think if you look at Mario's character, he's not, you know, he's in like Long Halloween and a couple other ones, mm-hmm. but um, he's he's a very elusive type character. You you really kind of question his motives, right? Because in one aspect, he does seem to be sincere and not part of that crime family, but then at the same time, you just get this feeling that that's all just a facade, you yeah. know? Oh yeah. And so I feel like. I don't know. I feel like just the interaction, even with um, you know Carmine and uh, Mario and um, uh, Lee, was really good and sets up for you know some really good uh, plot plot lines ahead. Yeah, and you know that Lee's going to probably be the, the the carrots that that's dangled in front of Gordon to get to you know to for the Falcons to get him to do whatever they want and mm-hmm. stuff. So. Um, and then, kind of the the weird part of this episode, which is hard to imagine, because you had like Jarvis Tech with the hypnotism and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but it was the doppelganger story. Like that, just kind of freaked me out a little bit. It was kind of like yeah. it went a little like I, I thought for a second there that we were watching a Halloween episode or something because like that, that doppelganger stuff kind of like especially that scene where he's standing over Bruce holding the the scissors and everything like that while watching him sleep kind of freaked me out. Yeah, I can't figure out where they're going with that, which, I mean, I guess is good because it makes me wonder about it. But I don't I don't know. I, f- I feel like there's more behind his doppelganger than what seems. I don't think he's, you know, I think he's kind of playing dumb. I feel like there's much more behind it at this point. I don't know. But yeah. it, the thing that... <laughs> I guess bothered me. I wrote about it in my review is that did you notice with uh, the doppelganger when he went to go find Celine and he was so much more tough and cool. He had like bangs. It was the Spider-Man three. That's exactly what I said. Yep. That it reminded me of all of a sudden, I guess bangs mean that you're tough and you know, walking down the street and I don't know. I just got that same exact feel and I didn't like it in Spider-Man three. And I really didn't like it in this. Dude, I, I was the same thing when I was watching this, I was watching that episode. I was like, wait a minute, is he going to break out into a dance? All of exactly. Of Selena, you know, I was uh, like, Jesus, Toby Maguire is making a comeback here. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were done with that, you know, whole Spider-Man three concept dressed all in black with bangs uh. hanging forward and stuff. But yeah, that was like the doppelganger one kind of, like I know this show is not supposed to be you know like a, a horror type show or whatever, but it's starting to really freak me out. With what if what if they make it where 
Batman that we've all come to know and love was really just a doppelganger that Hugo Strange created. Because, I mean, he already knows oh, how yeah. to fight. He knows how to act, you know, suave and debonair and everything like that. What if the real Bruce Wayne is just a pansy and never and never leaves his home in Wayne Manor and it's uh, the entire time has been this doppelganger? Yeah, and, and kills off the damsel in distress, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy, like, w- mind-blowing. I mean, I would be like, wow, never thought that, like... DC comes out and says, "Yeah, this was a this was a creation by Hugo Strange." And that was it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I still feel like the Cordals is is behind Doppelganger. Oh, yeah. I think the Doppelganger knows, um, knows some of that. I feel like, and I, yeah, I think that I don't know their plan was to you know kill off Bruce but have another quote unquote Bruce around. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, but. For me, the best part of the episode, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, was when um, Penguin went to meet uh, the former mayor at the restaurant. That was was awesome. I mean, you know, to sit there and, you know, he's first of all calling out the former mayor, and then he stands up quickly and everybody pulls the guns on him. He's like, oh, you're always one step ahead, but not three, and then... Everyone else in the restaurant stands up and points guns at them. That was just so awesome and showed just how smart and how far ahead oh, yeah. Penguin is than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I thought for for sure, like, Penguin was, you know, going to just walk out with his, you know, tail between his legs. But then when he said, oh, not three steps ahead, and then boom, everyone in that, in that uh, restaurant pulls out a gun and starts aiming at everyone else. You know, it... It shows you that Penguin, you know, has really grown um, from this first season where he could barely, you know, barely walk and uh, right. all he was doing was cowering and holding his head down. To now, he's becoming, you know, the mastermind um, behind all the big, you know, big things going on. So um, overall, I thought it was uh, a good episode, but it didn't it didn't really solve anything. So it kind of left me still wondering what's going to happen. So, yeah, um, I felt like it was kind of a filler episode to bridge and extend some of the story. I feel right. like the, the, I feel like Mad Hatter's storyline is kind of going to be how, um, uh, Frieza's storyline yeah, was. It yeah. was like a handful of episodes, a three, um, three, um, yeah, three or four or whatever it was. Story arc, something like that. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It seemed but like, yeah, like I said, it, I mean, it was, it was decent. Um, you know, I, yeah, like you said, I kind of want to <clears throat> know some more of what's going on, but I think, like I said, it was kind of a, a bridging episode. Yeah. Um, so overall, I mean, good episode keeps the, I, I think it keeps the momentum going for Gotham. Mm-hmm. No, and, yeah. Yeah. It's still, still in there. Um, moving on to probably the most anticipated season premiere, um, out of all the comic book shows, we had flash season three premiere with uh, flashpoint, um, this one, I think everybody was wondering how it was going to play out, how Barry was going to react with his, uh, new changes in life now, now that he was able to save his mother and his father was alive and everything. And to me, it, you know, I was, I was really hesitant at first when they made the announcement mm-hmm. that Flashpoint was only going to be one episode, but after watching it, hmm. I'm glad they did it like this. It, you know, could they have gone more in depth and all these other things, yeah, but I think it was just enough, and it it kind of it said, all right, that that part's done, but you're gonna still see the ripple effects, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, because when when I when I was the same way, and even in that episode while watching it, you know, when he ends up going back, I was like, really, just one episode? Like there, I felt like there were so many different ways they could go with it. But then right after that, when you know he's talking and talking about how. Um, you know, Joe and Iris don't get along or haven't spoken in, right. in however amount of time. I was like, oh, man, okay. So, yeah, technically Flashpoint is over, but so many other issues. Like, he's... Right, it's the butterfly effect. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly He's just constantly messing things up, yep. Yeah, I mean, so basically is how, how big of an impact did going back in time and doing... Um, this selfish act really affect the people he truly loves. And you know, what was crazy. It was like, it is like Barry can't catch a break is no matter mm-hmm. what. No, he, he just cannot be the hero. Cause it's like, he goes back and saves his mom. Great. But then that screws up the West family. And you know, Joe is an alcoholic. Um, Wally's the, you know, the flash, but ends up dying, you know, or about to die until he goes and save and, and goes back in time. And so, he goes and reverses all the effects he's done, but then he comes back and is still not 100% fixed and everything. Um, right. So it it's just like this guy is like he has to sacrifice everything: his mom, his dad, his family, his secondary family, um, and still can't catch a break. But what made this episode for me was the reverse Flash. I was just about to say Ear, that, yep. Yeah, Eobor Thawne, I mean, they could make a show about him. Oh, um, yeah. Both versions, Tom Cavanaugh's, and I can't think of the um, actor's name who, who plays Eobor. Yeah, I forget off the top of my head. Yeah, but my God, I mean, that's like the scenes that he had in there and, you know, and how he was able to call out Barry and how well, like, Grant Gustin plays off of like the reverse flash and everything mm-hmm. and how I mean they just nail it right there so well in the just... interaction in the interaction there at the end too when like he's telling Barry every time like what he's gonna need and he's like Barry's like you know what I need he's like yeah but I want to hear you oh, say it yeah. and I was he's like, like make, oh. yeah, I want to hear you tell say it I'm gonna make you make you scream and stuff like that oh my god that was intense right there yeah I mean that was perfect writing perfect scenario perfect setup everything it just shows you that those two are meant to battle for the rest of their lives almost oh yeah yeah absolutely even when he goes and kills his mom and he takes you know flash back to the present day he still knows oh, that he, everything he knows. everything has it is has been messed up he it's like he's always one step ahead doesn't matter which, well that's the thing too because he said what you know whatever he said like wait and wait and see yep. or something like that i was just like it's like he knew yeah, he... iris was gonna be, was gonna be out of the picture somehow some way i mean yeah he knows he knows everything which is what i feel is intriguing about the reverse flash it's because like you, you always like yeah he's from the future but like you'll wonder what all he's he's done because he seems to know all this stuff already you well, know I mean, yeah he's from the future so he's going back into a scenario where he's got he knows how everything is played out mm-hmm. every single time he returns to the future he gets to see everything so the reverse flash is the perfect villain because he knows what's coming he is there's no way to get ahead of the reverse flash unless you go further in time than he has right so, i mean it just it played out perfect um what do you think about wally being uh kid flash um you know i mean I thought it was fine. I think it was a nice little, you know, nod to 
I don't know. I think for me personally, I thought he would eventually turn into Flash or Kid. I didn't know what way they were going to go with it. But, um, you know, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if this is just like a nod and kind of a one and done or if they will go back to it. I think Wally West is too big of a character to not eventually develop into being a speedster. Right. Um, so I don't know if this was kind of like I said, like a nod, but then over time something will develop, you know, I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, see, I thought based on the comic books, so in the comic books, we lose the original Wally West and mm-hmm. we gain a new one. And I thought that was going to be the kind of the butterfly effect, um, at mm. the end of the episode or whenever they ended it, I thought for sure that when they came back that something was going to happen to Wally or like Wally never existed um, type deal. Cause that's kind of right. how the new 52 handled it in the comic book series is they kind of just, you know, he vanished. And then in the DC rebirth uh, line, that's, that was the key to resetting the whole timeline and the earth one and earth two was that Wally West, the original Wally West came back. So I thought that was going to be doing um, and what they showed in the episode I, I liked um i definitely could see him being you know kid flash in the future a long bear right. i thought they worked well together um i didn't like the villain though uh what was his name um the, um, the rival rival yeah that that to me was you know a, a horrible play he's, he's taken off of oh shoot i have to look it back up he's taken off of someone from the comics um as more of a minor character but yeah, he. Well, it didn't. Yeah, work. yeah. Like there was. I think. I feel like that was a. Like condensed version of a of like I don't know. I mean, of any Zoom. of you know? Yeah, of Zoom really. Because Zoom Zoom's whole like thing was he wanted to be the 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 only speedster and the fastest speedster, right? And that's what you know Rival was, but it you know it's like come on. I know we're you know we're doing parallel universes and everything, but. You know, just it didn't work for me. Like the the costume didn't work. The you know, which I, I I think I'm just I'm not speedstered out because I you know anytime you put Reverse Flash in or the Flash, but um and I did like this version of Wally West and Kid Flash, but some of the other speedsters like Zoom, I mean, wasn't on the list of speedsters probably on on the bottom in this one as well too. So I think they you know they could have done something different, but. It didn't kill the episode, but it just, you know... Yeah, I don't want them to have speedsters just for the sake of having them. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I think, you know, you have Flash, you have Reverse Flash. I mean, having, I think, like, you know, Wally developing a speed... I would honestly be fine with, like, those three. But then when you start getting, like, you know, like the one girl last season who... I forget what it was, but she was taking the... um. Oh, the oh, like, injections. The, yeah, the injections um, to become a speedster as well. Yeah, and, and then with that, that was on, like on top of Zoom being there, and it was just yeah. Sometimes I think it, you know, it gets a little much. But like I said, I think the three. I mean, with Barry, Wally, and Thawn, like those are the iconic speedster. I mean, Jay Garrick, obviously, but those are the three like iconic right. speedsters. Yeah, I mean. Hopefully, moving forward, well, let's see. We got Alchemy that's going to be mm-hmm. the, the main villain of the first half of the season, um, and that looks interesting. You know, we got just a, a 
quick glimpse of it, or not necessarily a glimpse of the character, but at the very end, um, the now reset universe took the the character who was playing um, rival, rival. I guess is now being uh, manipulated or um, I don't know, kind of being possessed by alchemy. So it would be interesting mm-hmm. to see how that plays out. Um, overall, though, it was a one of you know the better. Uh, mm-hmm. shows and you know definitely well written storyline well thought out you can tell they took their time with it the yeah. only thing I would have loved to have seen is maybe play it out where you had Flashpoint last a week so then you could allow yeah. like the you know Arrow to have their own show with the the effects of Flashpoint yeah. and maybe you know maybe not Legends of Tomorrow but like Supergirl or something like that you know it, it would have been cool to well, see like I know we got that kind of look at the future with Legends of Tomorrow of, you know, of the Green Arrow, but still oh, it would yeah. have been kind of cool to see, um, you know, kind of like in the story of Flashpoint in the comic book series where Bruce Wayne is the, end of, is the one who ends up dying and Thomas Wayne ends up being Batman. So it would have been cool to see that maybe, you know, Oliver's the one that dies on the Queen's Gambit and, you know, his dad takes over right. as the Green Arrow. <clears throat> and I think we'll see some possible subtle differences which because of the butterfly effect and whatnot um but yeah i don't think we'll see big wholesale ones like that but i'm still i'm still pushing for that that um you know i know we're not quite there yet but the new archer and arrow i'm still pulling for that to be tommy merlin oh yeah so let's just go into that then, since okay. <laughs> we're gonna, um, so Flash is great. But moving on to the the season premiere of season five of Arrow, um, this one kind of it, it was a reset. It seemed like to me, it was oh, like yeah. all right, we're going back to not necessarily the origin story, but kind of you know where Oliver was, you know, kind of midway through season one, um, mm-hmm. where it was a small team, small unit of guys, and he's going around by himself, um, and stopping crime um and so to me i i really enjoyed this premiere it, it kind of it kind of got me back and reinvigorated into like the character of the green arrow and mm-hmm. oliver queen because um, i thought like you you've mentioned it before too is that the show kind of got muddled with so many different characters and you had to follow all these different storylines that you know this go around thea only had a short amount of time she only showed up as uh as speedy for just a, you know a quick sin- scene diggle wasn't even in it till the very end um, right you know and so um it's you know oliver and felicity basically are the two that are left because you know laurel's dead and um detective lance is you know on the wagon off the wagon on the wagon off the wagon mm-hmm. type deal so um but it seems like it was good it kind of got rid of not really dead weight but just it kind of refocused on what the show is about and and being about Oliver and his his quest to to save the city. Um, well, I mean, it it started off. <clears throat> you know, I thought it started off pretty strong, and I'm also actually excited about the flashbacks now because I feel like the flashbacks are going to be worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and you know the the it's funny. I read about it in my review as well, but I was actually somewhat surprised. Yeah when one he shot mad dog in the leg with the arrow yeah that was funny i was like oh i didn't see that coming but then especially later when he um 
breaks the guard's neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he kills what like four guards. In, yeah, with a speech. with a gun, right. and I was like, whoa! And it surprised me, but I think it surprised me so much because that was so different than seasons three and four, which yeah. is good. You know, it's a good difference. And you know, then you think about it. I mean, well, like heck, you know, seasons one and two. That's what he was doing. But and what I was glad about though is that they touched on the reasoning behind that you know it wasn't just like he just came in out of nowhere and like now he's randomly like just killing people killing again like he and speedy had that conversation and he even said like if i if i had i can't continue to have restraint because when i had restraint that's when laurel died right he's like if i didn't have restraint maybe she'd still be alive and you know from thea's point of view she says she feels like that's you know you know, two steps forward, one step back, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was glad that they covered that as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it like you said, it definitely went back to the, the Oliver of season one, season two, and that mindset that you know he he admits that if he had killed Damian Dark when he had the opportunities in the beginning, Laurel would probably be still alive. Um, you know, and it, it looks like that's going to be his his struggle, um, which is a good struggle. I think it's a good storyline to focus on is. You know, what does it take to really be a hero? Um, you know, on Flash, it's more about sacrifice. On Arrow, it's more about restraint. You know, to mm-hmm. you don't want to cross over into that, that line where you're no longer a hero. You're just a bad guy, you know, and and in just doing evil and stuff. And so I think that's I think what, that's what I think that's what he's always struggled with, too, yeah. you know, as a balance, because, you know, he started off, obviously, like wholesale killing on one end. And then he kind of went to the other extreme. And I think he's just really confused because, you know, he looked at both ways and neither one was really the outcome that he was hoping for. Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think about Tobias Church? Um, I think it's it, – his character is interesting. I think it's I, – I don't think he's the main villain for the season, first of all. No, um, no. Just because I feel like we've seen his type of character before, it kind of reminded um, me of uh, Brick, you know. For, yep, what was that's it, what I was just about to say. Or season yeah. Four, yeah, yeah, and so you know, just kind of like a big bruiser that comes in, and that's that's fine because I, I think it's fine if it's going to turn out that someone else is the bigger villain, obviously. Um, but yeah, you know, some of it was okay. You know, obviously, like beating people down with brass knuckles. Um, the part near the end with the helicopter, I thought was, that was the one part of the episode that just didn't do it for me. Um, like the whole escape part. Yeah. Mainly because of a couple things. One, I just, I don't know. He's like new in town and randomly has this helicopter. Dude, Maybe it's all provided. The, all the best bad guys have helicopters. Have helicopters. I've, I've just exactly. Exactly. It started but, all in uh, Batman '89 with Jack Nicholson as the Joker. See, he had a helicopter. Yeah, it, it, and it also had the Joker's face painted on exactly. the side. Don't well, forget. I mean, well, of course. <laughs> well, not only that, but it was a, it was a very small helicopter too. Like it know, wasn't like there was. Like, that? Did, yeah, that's what so that was my thing. But then when Arrow got knocked out or fell out or whatever, and had the parachute arrow. <laughs> That was awesome. That just see that that kill. I was like, what? But then you know, I wrote my review about how like, well, I mean, you know, granted, 
you know, he at one time in the comics had like a boxing glove arrow, but right. that that was the one thing that just felt out of place. I just I feel like Church could have just up and left and escaped and to fight for another day. I don't right. really feel like that was needed. Yeah, dude, when the parachute came out, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I go, yeah. to, to have the mindset of being thrown out of a helicopter and say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull the exact arrow that has the parachute and shoot it up into the sky. And you, yeah, and I, they took I, the, the, their time, shoot, you know, posing, having, you know, Stephen Amell pose with the shot and everything. I was like, I would be freaking out. I would be like, oh, my God, I'm about to die. I wouldn't even have thought of a parachute arrow to have right, an arsenal. Well, I mean, he had, I mean he has like grappling hook arrows. I mean, that makes sense, yeah. you know, but like, yeah, the parachute came out. I was like, what is happening right now? That was the only thing for me that I was really kind of like, what in the world? But I mean, you know, especially when it comes to the tone, I enjoyed it. Like I said, the, you know, the concept, I thought it was interesting how Oliver, he's like I said, we've talked about balance. He was really torn um, when he was uh, quote unquote kidnapped you know, but he had to show restraint because he doesn't want to, you know, show his alter ego. Right. Um, but, you know, I think that part of it was, was interesting. But I, I feel like there's going to be another big reveal out there probably with the the new Archer. Just kind of like how in season two, I mean, in the first half we thought, you know, Brother Blood was the villain. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, Slade Wilson. So I, I f- have a feeling that something like that will probably happen. Which I'm fine with. I think, you know, I think they're probably looking at it, and it's not a carbon copy of it. But I think at the same time they're kind of like, okay, well, let's look at what what worked and try and, you know, at least build some of that back. Yeah, I, I mean, looking at it and then seeing um, the the small glimpse of the the new Archer with you know completely covered up face mask and everything, uh, like your theory on it being Tommy Merlin makes more and more sense each and every day um you know it well, just it just seems like that's where that's what's going to be the big <clears throat> twist on it i mean especially for me i think like this new archer looks kind of like the dark archer mm-hmm. you know and really i could see malcolm pulling some sort of crap that you know i mean he's always on something sneaky and you know he trained thea and i just i don't know i feel like there are or all these things that may lead to that and that, you know, I don't know, Tommy comes back or whatever it is, you know, jaded that Oliver either let the city get this way or about anything, you know, that Laurel's dead. I mean, (laughs) I mean, the show has taken some liberties of using some of the, uh, Batman storylines and they could very well use this line, like storyline as their version of the red hood, you know? Oh yeah. And, Mm -hmm. You know how um, um, it wasn't Dick Grayson, which was uh, this, um, Jason Todd. Jason Todd comes back, you know, as the Red Hood and blames, you know, um, blames Bruce for not killing the Joker and not saving Gotham and keeping it going on. I mean, you could really get that storyline mm-hmm. out there with this show using, you know, Tommy as that antagonist and stuff. Yeah, I think I really think it's going to be someone that is is close not just kind of like a, oh okay but like someone that is close to him yeah and the way it looked like too is like this guy's got an arsenal he's got the arrow he had you know a knife he had the the ninja star so ninja stars like, yeah yeah so this is a guy that's that's been well trained um 
you know, probably by the league, probably by someone else as well too. So right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this kind of like reinvigorated me about Arrow. You know, I'm always going to be an Arrow fan and everything, and I'll watch it to the end. But like after watching this, you know, besides the whole helicopter scene, I thought it went back to its roots, and I think. Mm that's the the show that i want to see and enjoy is it ever going to like be the chart topping show of all time probably not but for the core audience that made arrow you know be successful i think that's what we're all looking for well and like i said with the flashback scenes too the thing with the russian mob seems not only interesting but then he um he um obviously saw what's it anatoly right yeah anatoly yeah saw him again and, you know, getting initiated into this mob or whatever, um, who eventually will see Dolph Lundgren. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but then also did, I, I thought it was interesting that he said that he was trying, to, he was out to kill Constantine. Right. Right. Which is interesting, which is, you know, right. is cool. Cause it ties everything together. Like, four. Yeah. It, it's really cool. It's like, how like these flashbacks are really starting to finish up tying up the loose ends from where Oliver started at to where he's at now. Here's my question though. So at the end of season four, the season four flashbacks, excuse me, he had a buzzed head, right? Um, yeah, it was like a buzz slash crew cut type deal. Yeah. Now his hair is like super long again, right? Of course. Hey man, the guy's hair is amazing. Like, <laughs> I, I, I would kill for Stephen Amell's hair, wig or not or whatever. But yeah, you know, I was like, wait a second. It took some. Yeah. It took him a while to get from Liam Yu to to wherever he was in Russia. Yeah. Moscow. So, yeah. Who might have judged? But you know, Liam Yu probably has a barber shop on the island. He can get his hair cut at and stuff. Since yeah. Everybody knows it's, the island. Yeah, everybody seems to know that it's there, but yet no one could rescue him, yeah. right? Um, I do, uh, a couple other things to point out is one, what Laurel had said to him. We found out like what she was whispering or whatever, which is pretty much like, don't let her be the last canary. She wants the black canary to be this ongoing idea, but then also for a piece of her to always be out there with him. So that was was kind of weird because it was, it was Sarah first who was the black canary, then Laurel. Yeah. So it was kind of like, wait a minute, don't you mean you want Sarah's legacy to continue growing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's why right. you became the black canary. But, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and then Felicity is dating someone else, which is awesome. Keep going with that. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and it was then the, the right amount of time, too. It was literally 10 seconds of, oh, yeah, Felicity's got a boyfriend. Good. Yeah, it was perfect. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she had those, like, hands that were, like, on her shoulder and then that other guy popped up. I'm like, Oh, awesome. it would have been great if it was been, if it was Malcolm who did that. Oh, oh gosh, that would be great. Um, then the only other thing, let's see, I thought there was one other thing that was kind of odd to me. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think overall, like I said, like you kind of said it, it really, um, kind of reinvigorated me towards the series. Um, yeah. so I'm, you know, I'm excited to, watching it all now i know what it is so you know the concept of this new team forming so you know yeah mad dogs out there being a vigilante and um i think artemis will take i think that'll kind of lead into that role that um uh black canary was talking about because the girl that plays artemis is the one from 
was it last season? Last season, she she yeah. picks up like she pretends being uh, right Black Canary after Laurel dies. So I mean, I guess some of that makes sense as long as it's not a lot of attention on them. But the one that I'm I'm really hoping they play out well is is Curtis because I know. I know that he wants trained now and all this stuff are once in and I know they want him because he turns out to be Mr. Terrific, right? Right. Yep. It, but my thing is, I just, I really don't want it to be the same thing that happened with Laurel where like she's trained for five episodes and can go out and fight crime because especially with it taking the more realistic tone that just, I don't know that that part just doesn't really fly with me. No, I agree. I, I don't think they're going to do that because, like, from the clips I've seen, you know, they they kind of make fun of it, that player yeah. that he's he is a gold medal or, or an Olympic athlete, but at the same time, he's still you know geeky nerd type style, so he doesn't have the 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 physique or the you right. know, the the knowledge background to be a fighter or just a natural fighter and stuff. So right. And then they do the training exercises, which we've all kind of seen where uh, the preview was like um, Oliver says, you know, go ring the bell and they all run (laughs) and he takes them all out and stuff. So yeah, it looks like I think that's going to be like the, the culmination of the season of season five is that he trains these guys to, you know, become because it seems like this is going to take a long time for him to build up this team. So it's either going to be like the mid season or the season finale that we see the team fully be, you know, the the crime fighting group. That right. And I would fighting. be, yeah, and I think I would be fine with that because that, like, time-wise makes sense. But like I said, I think the thing with Laurel where just, like, I don't know, she took some boxing lessons and then was out there fighting crime. I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Yeah. So um, the last piece of news from Arrow that Stephen Amell leaked out this week um, was a Instagram photo of him sitting on a bench um, with Deathstroke, and just said that he's glad to to see his old friend back for episode 100. So it looks like uh, the 100th episode of Arrow is going to bring back Deathstroke, hopefully more than just one time. But um, to me, it, it's long overdue, and the, oh, yeah. only, the only hope is is that it's Manu Bennett that's behind the. The mask. Oh, battery. Yeah. So, to me, the, the way the season premiere played out, and with that news, like I said, I'm reinvigorated for this show. I'm I'm really happy that um, the writers and the you know the team that creates the show kind of listened to the fans and understood that not everything was working for what they were trying to do. Right. Do you think that? What about? Oh my gosh. So, what if the new Archer was trained by? Deathstroke too. Ooh, that would be good. That would be good. Hmm. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Or what if it was like Bruce's it. doppelganger? Yeah. Well, he's not creepy enough yet. Uh, so that and it, like that would be the big announcement. Oh, Gotham is now part of the DC <laughs> universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, then that means everybody would have to get some sweet like bangs, and then that would make them tough. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> everybody with the bangs. Well. <laughs> Um, all right, so that kind of recaps everything we, you know, major shows wise we cover. You know, there's still a couple Supergirl hasn't premiered yet, Legends of Tomorrow, um, doesn't premiere for another couple weeks. Uh, I'm in the process still of watching Luke Cage, it's been 
nonstop, but I'm just, it's so far so good. I'm through episode five now. It's taken me a little bit longer. I got through the first two episodes pretty fast, and then it's just little by little getting through that. So, a um, couple different things. Uh, moving on to some WWE news. It seems like, and you read this, Mark, um, that you uh, read this at. Goldberg might be making his comeback to to Raw. Yeah, so yeah, it was Maxim dot com, and so I mean, I feel like that's it's more credible than I first thought, but you know, not really sure at this point. But um, supposedly Goldberg is in negotiations right now, and he's obviously playing dumb about it. But supposedly it's for um, Survivor Series, Mm -hmm. and he would uh, go up against Brock Lesnar, which is a recap of gosh i think they said about a decade ago um when they fought at wrestlemania um and that match as everybody knows who follows was pretty awful because you know coming into the match they knew two things it was goldberg's last match and it was brock lesnar's last match before he was trying his stint in the nfl so i think it's if what they say is true is smart because I think fans one would obviously watch it, but two for even just the redemptive sake of like, listen, that last match sucked. So this one would probably be good. Yeah. I mean, I don't see Goldberg coming back full time or anything. I I mean, it's, I would assume SummerSlam then try I know they were trying to make a you know a big match between uh, Sting and Undertaker, but uh-huh. I could see maybe Goldberg doing that, like taking over those reigns, and maybe you know Undertaker taking on Goldberg, which right. I don't see Undertaker losing that match. I don't see him agreeing to that at all. But um, yeah, it, it's it's good to see him back, but he's not you know I don't think he's gonna be at his age and you know in his wrestling style it's not going to be it's this oh my gosh he's you know this unbelievable person anymore i I think it's just mainly yeah i think it's mainly mainly pay-per-views yeah Yeah, either wrestlemania or survivor series you know kind of the bigger ones so who would you what would be your big dream match with goldberg oh man i Especially if we're talking about like WrestleMania and Survivor Series type stuff. Um, I mean, I, I would like to see a good Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg, but also I think um, like a like The Rock versus Goldberg would be interesting. Mm, that would be good. I've all I've always wanted to see Stone Cold versus Goldberg, which I don't think will ever happen. No, but no. I, I think that like ideally, I think that would be a pretty awesome match just because of their personalities in itself. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like with Goldberg, it would need to be like an older superstar just because I don't, I don't really see him fighting many of the current superstars. I mean, maybe a John Cena, but I don't know. I can't really think of any of the current stars where, I mean, you know, that would be as much of a threat, I guess. Yeah, I mean, 
to me, it would be hilarious to see Goldberg go up against Roman Reigns because they both do the spear and they're both oh, yeah. like wrestling and stuff like that. And yeah. the fans hate both of them and they boo the entire time. Could you imagine like twenty five minutes straight of booing and you like you wouldn't want uh like any either one either one to win. So they better just they better get like a count out. Yeah, they spear each other directly in the head at the same time. Yeah, and knock <laughs> probably. Each other out. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I mean, for my sake, I've, I enjoyed Goldberg during his WCW run, but his WWE run was completely horrible. Uh, yeah. Know? So, you know, all good and well, but I don't know. It's, it is what it is. You know. Yeah. There's, bring him back for a little redemption and. You know, have his little, you know, a little second second show there, and then right. I'll I mean, you know, I mean, I think it'd actually be cool now to think about it. Is a uh, Goldberg Triple H? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, Goldberg Triple H. Triple H will automatically win that one. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't. There's no way Hunter would let him self lose to Goldberg. Um, right. So, well, um, moving on, uh, some exciting nostalgic news uh i'm I'm super excited about it but um this year is actually the 30th anniversary of double dare and this november um november 23rd there'll be on nickelodeon a one-hour special where it's mark summers is coming back and hosting a one-hour reunion show if you want to call it um because all the main people who did double dare to come back and actually do a double dare show once more again um and i'm gonna be watching this show live or whatever it is because i mean you want to talk about like bringing me back to my youth this was the oh yeah this was the show um like you don't think i'll make so many physical challenges here at my house oh my gosh that's all i did as a kid was like create like hack physical challenges like sliding down the stairs and everything like that and hiding you know like wood like plastic flags all over the place oh my god it's funny because they they'll show some of the um like reruns of it and it's so awesome like the prizes now like i remember like if you got past the first one it was like a set like an encyclopedia set oh yeah and like, and like a typewriter yes. and oh it's so awesome the casio like c- calculator and stuff oh like yeah that. oh yeah they, they were so corny uh like just so ridiculously bad but it was like everybody wanted to like be on that show and just compete to do the um the the finale where it was the obstacle course and everything oh yeah and then oh. they had like family um Double Dare. Double Dare and Celebrity Double Dare. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so great. That is, I'm, I'm pumped for that. Oh, yeah. I, would, I mean, even they, I think they would be great if they just if they brought it back. But just this one hour with Mark Summers coming back and doing it to celebrate the 30th anniversary. I can't believe it's been 30 years. That's what's crazy. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're getting old to be yeah. able to say that we watched Double Dare, you know, when it first aired. Um, so... But yeah, that's uh, airing November twenty third on, um, on uh, Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely I, tune in for that. Yeah, it's nine o'clock for one hour episode, and then there's a and following that from ten to eleven is another episode, but it's kind of a recap. And so, uh, moving on from Double Dare, uh, the last little bit of news that we're going to cover for uh, this podcast is the. 
rumblings about the extended cut of Suicide Squad. Um, this it seems like this movie cannot just get away from controversy. So um, it seems like every single thing is debatable and all that kind of stuff. It just it won't just be like you know Warner Brothers just won't let it go. So originally. Um, the studio said that there would not be an extended cut or director's cut or any type of special Blu-ray edition of Suicide Squad, but that seems to have changed. It seems like we're going to get a um, an extended cut of Suicide Squad, and the rumor is it's going to add a little bit more of Jared Leto's Joker, but also give a little bit more of the um, of the serious type tone. That Suicide Squad was originally before were originally filmed as before all the reshoots and everything. So, to me, um, I enjoyed Suicide Squad. I, I actually didn't think it was that bad as as many of the critics think. You know, I know that some of our guys on here at LRM Online hated it and thought it was terrible. But to me, I I went in without with very low expectations and those expectations were met and everything else was just kind of like, all right, you know, was it a great movie, you know, to win Oscars or that? No. Was it going to be anything remembered, you know, like a Nolan movie? No, but it was two hours that I enjoyed. Um, now with the extended cut from my end, I don't know, you take it, Mark, but, um, I bought the, uh, Batman V Superman, mm-hmm. uh, ultimate edition. And to me, that made the movie so much better. Um, made a world of difference. Yeah, it made it a ton. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to check it out. I'll probably end up buying it. And, you know... It's, it's funny how sometimes just even one or two of those scenes make such a difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and you wonder why some of them were edited. Like, even with Batman vs. Superman, you know, some of them, like, yeah, I understand, but it just made it so much more of an understanding holistic movie um you know i know there's still like issues and doomsday blah 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 but but just that you know, scene with uh in like an ultimate edition just that scene with uh jimmy olsen you got a lot more under you understood now that jimmy olsen was a cia agent and it wasn't like uh what's happening here when they extended that by five minutes it made a world of difference yeah and that and then the other scene where um <clears throat> what's his name scooter who got who was in the wheelchair oh yeah which is the and, greatest, like the greatest nickname to have. Uh, yeah, exactly right. But not only that, but when they talked about the bomb being in there and it being coated with lead, lead, because then Superman couldn't see it. And not only that, but Lois looking in the fridge, seeing that he had all this fresh fruit and stuff, saying so he didn't know. Just that, like three minutes in itself, helped explain a lot of the criticism that was there. You know, right. I remember when that when it first came out, and people were like. Well, how did why did Superman stop it? This and that, like he actually couldn't see it, and so I'm hoping that with Suicide Squad, it's some of the same. You know, some of the scenes that, um, you know, not only with Jared Leto but just in general, that kind of just make it fit together better. Yeah, I think I think for the most part, the only thing that Suicide Squad could change and could like make me like it a little bit better is to explain a little bit more of the Harley Quinn. Um, joker relationship because yeah uh, i don't know if you remember remember like when the photos got leaked out of like there was a scene where harley had jumped in front of joker's car and this is mm-hmm. before she transforms into harley quinn and she slaps him in the face and they're confrontational and it looks like he hits her and everything like mm-hmm. that you know if that scene's in there maybe it gives us a little bit more insight of why 
you know, this Joker is so infatuated with Harley. Because I think that was a lot of the big complaints about Jared Leto's Joker was that in the comics and everything we've known about Harley Quinn is that Harley's the one that's infatuated with right. Joker. And Joker's kind of like, yeah, I don't need you. But it seemed like in this movie, it was the other way around. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely going to check it out. I mean. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely yeah. get it. And, of course, you know that once this gets out, there's going to be a hundred more reviews about it and how oh, yeah. how horrible it is and everything like that. So, <laughs> but, so that basically um, does it here. We've covered, I think, everything we can cover. You know, there's probably a ton more stuff out there we need to be covering. So let us know in the comments section if there's a TV show or something you want us to cover about. Uh, make sure you check out our other podcast, Los Fanboys, um, where... Mario, Kelvin, and Joseph give their opinions on all the major news and film updates and television. They basically just cover everything that you can possibly imagine. Um, We're also debuting in about two weeks, uh, two or three weeks. We'll be having another podcast. Join at LRMOnline.com. It's going to be focusing just on comic books. Um, Emmanuel Gomez, who's been writing for the website, will be on there, and he's going to have his uh, a partner as well and they are going to have a weekly podcast breaking down comics giving out um, what comics to read and so forth and it's going to make sure you check out LRM online uh, for all that um, check out Comic Uno's weekly uh, roundup on Mondays where she you know, posts her videos on what movie she watched uh, this past week what TV show she's into comic books she's into um, and gives you kind of a you know, a quick 10 minute rundown of all the major news um, and things to be watching. And then, last, make sure you check out every Wednesday um, Edward Douglas's uh, Weekend Warrior article where he gives you all the great news and, um, and all the current updates on films that are premiering out that week. He kind of gives you an insider detail of what to expect from the movies. Um, financially and you know he also gives his uh reviews which are really good to go by i actually enjoy his reviews um pretty well because i I tend to agree with his reviews more than um more than other review people out there and so um make sure you check out all the great things that lrm has to to offer and give away uh we've got a couple guys at new york comic-con this week so make sure you're checking out over the weekend all the great things that we get to show through if you weren't able to make it there um that's it for me today. Mark, you got anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I mean, just I wanted to real quickly give a shout-out to Sasha Banks and Charlotte and WWE for um, being the main event of Raw this past weekend. It was a, or this past Monday. It was a great um, great match, really well done, and first time in about a decade that ladies have uh, been the main event. So big shout-out to them, and they did an awesome job. And I still find the women's division probably – one of the most entertaining parts of WWE right now. So keep up with the good work. Yes, 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 yes. All right, guys. It was good uh, talking to you, Mark. And so um, we'll see you guys next week.